Welcome to Honey from the Rock, a podcast devoted to Bible exposition. My father, Jack Christensen, preached expositionally for over 50 years, first as a missionary to Pakistan and later as a pastor in New England. His legacy lives on in me. He often began his sermons with a little expression, and now a little honey from the rock, taken from Psalm 81, verse 16. The psalmist wrote, I would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Today, more than ever, we need to feed our souls on the words of God in the Bible. The crying need of the church is for God-centered, word-explaining messages. So now, my friends, a little honey from the rock. There is an interesting experiment that students occasionally perform in physics laboratories. Each student takes a turn sitting in front of three buckets of water. One bucket is filled with ice-cold water, one bucket is filled with hot water, and the middle bucket is filled with lukewarm water. The student puts one hand in the cold water and one hand in the hot water, and then the student puts both hands simultaneously in the warm water bucket. The effect is fascinating. The hand that was in the cold water feels hot, and the hand that was in the hot water feels cold. The same water produces two very different feelings. It is all a matter of perspective. The same principle holds true for how we handle trials and problems in life. Have you ever noticed that two people can face very similar situations in life and react in opposite ways? It's all a matter of perspective. The same trials can be handled in two different ways. We can choose to face sickness with a positive attitude or a negative one, depending on our perspective. In the book of James, we learn about how we can face hardships with the right attitude. Listen to what James says as he begins this letter. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James teaches us that tough trials demand a proper perspective. And he begins his letter with a command. He commands us to face our trials with joy. Someone has said, that we sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength, while our faces reflect the sadness of one who has just buried a rich aunt who left everything to her cherished kitty. James 
makes a shocking statement here. Consider it all joy. The noun for joy in the Greek text is in the emphatic position in the sentence. Literally, James says, all joy, consider it. All joy, think it. Now, James is not telling us to enjoy our trials. He is not telling us that the trials themselves are all joy. He is telling us that we are to think about our trials with a joyful attitude. He is talking about our perspective. Cancer is not a happy thing, but we can choose to face cancer with an attitude of joy or with an attitude of despair. Our attitude is our choice. A positive attitude is a mental decision. A Christian counselor whose curriculum I used for premarital counseling for many years said, the most important characteristic of a marriageable person is the habit of happiness. Is your spouse someone who always sees the negatives in life? That's not healthy. Look for a spouse who always sees the positives. That is the habit of happiness. Why? Why is that so important? Because, James tells us, our process of growth requires trials. Our process of growth requires trials in verses 2 and 3. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing, what do you know? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. When you face trials and tribulations in life, you know something, James says. You know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. There was an old country preacher who used to say, when the Lord sends tribulation, he expects us to tribulate. Why? Why should we tribulate? whatever that means. We know something, James says. We know that trials make us what God wants us to become. We know struggles make us strong. We may not like that truth, but we know it is true. Notice what James says about trials in verse 2. We know that we will fall into or encounter trials in this life. The word to fall into or encounter does not mean failure or sin or yielding to temptation. We must not consider it all joy when we sin, nor does the verb to encounter picture someone who seeks trouble. We are not to seek it out. We are not masochists. The verb pictures someone who falls into the midst of trials or is surrounded by trials and difficult circumstances. The only other place this Greek verb is used in Scripture is in Luke 10, verse 30, where the man in the parable of the Good Samaritan fell among thieves. He didn't want to encounter thieves, but he fell under their control. James wrote this letter 
to Jewish Christians, according to verse 1. Christians who were scattered by the persecutions that followed the death of Stephen in Acts 8. The persecutions drove the Christians out of Jerusalem into the surrounding areas of Palestine, like Syria, Cyprus, and Cilicia. The church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13 became the sending church for the great missionary journeys, but the church in Antioch was formed because of the persecution in Jerusalem. It was in this kind of setting that they encountered various trials. A wide variety of problems plagued them, from sickness and poverty to imprisonment and death. They lost their jobs. They lost their homes. They lost their friends. They were hounded by the authorities. And it is to these people in this circumstance that James commands, consider it all joy. My friends, we know nothing of real persecution here in America, but we sure whine enough about what little opposition we face. They knew real persecution, but faced it with joy. James says, we know something else about our trials. We know the nature of the trials. The word translated trials also can be translated as temptations in verse 2. Every trial you and I face is also a temptation. Because the word has two basic meanings. It can refer to external temptations or internal temptations. External temptations are what we call tests. The same Greek word can be translated as temptation or test. These are trials that God sends to us or allows to happen to us for a beneficial purpose. Now down in verse 12, James says that this kind of temptation God uses to test us so that he can prove our faith. Does God tempt us? Well, yes, if we mean tempt in the sense of a test. However, the answer is no if we mean internal temptation to sin. Internal temptations are trials from within us that lead to sin. Down in verses 13 and 14, James tells us that God never tempts us to sin. Temptations to sin come from within us. We are tempted by our own lusts. These are incitements to do wrong. God never incites us to do wrong. It's important to remember that the same trial could end up being both a test from God and a temptation to sin from our own lusts. God sends a test or a trial which we turn into a temptation to sin. The same set of circumstances, the same situation, the same event in our lives can be both a test from God and a temptation to sin. But we know that God never tempts us to sin. 
God only tests us to grow us. Why? Why does God let those trials hit us? Why would God test us? Well, God does it because there is a purpose to those tests. God has a goal when he gives us those tests. Look at verse 3. The testing of your faith produces endurance. The word for testing in verse 3 is actually a different Greek word than the word for testing or trial in verse 2. This word has the sense of testing with a view to approval. He wants to approve us. The word was used in the secular literature of that day for what they called standard gold. Gold was purified by fire according to a standard weight, and that standard weight was called standard gold. The testing of our faith is like standard gold. This testing by fire is to purge or purify our lives so that we measure up to the standard God sets for genuine faith. The only other place this word is used in the New Testament is in 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, where Peter tells us that the trials test us so that the proof of our faith, like gold purified by fire, will bring praise to God. We are purified by our testing so that we can be genuine in our faith and we can honor God in our lives. James goes on to say in verse 3 that this purifying work produces patience or endurance. The word means fortitude or perseverance. Oh, we need Christians today. We need Christians who show perseverance under stress. We need Christians today who have staying power, sticking power through tough times. The old cliche has the ring of truth. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. God is continually producing perseverance in us as Christians through the tests he brings into our lives every day. My friends, the process of growing in the Christian life is an ongoing process. We can never say that we have arrived. We got there. Sorry, it won't happen in this life. God is still working on us. God is always still working on us. We'd love to say, well, there, I've learned patience, so now I can go on to some other lesson. No way. It won't happen. God keeps throwing tests at us to make us persevere in our marriages, in our homes, in our jobs, and in our churches. The more we grow, the more tests we face. Now, isn't that a great and encouraging thought? Why? Why does James command us to be joyful in our struggles? Because, first of all, our process of growth requires trials, and secondly, our perseverance through trials builds character. Verse 4. 
and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word that is translated as endurance or patience is really more than patience. It is a word that was used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for a Hebrew word meaning hope. The word has a forward look to it, a forward feel to it. It's not just a stoic sense of fatalism that James is talking about. Oh, well, I've got to bear my burden for the Lord and be patient. Oh, joy. No, no. It is patience or endurance with an expectation, a hope of future success. It is the determination of an athlete to win. It's not fun for an athlete to train hard every day in the practice room. It's not fun to endure injuries and work hard to rehab from those injuries. The athlete endures all of that for a purpose. He is determined to win. Nobody enjoys running wind sprints or slogging through mud at practice on Tuesday afternoon. The athlete endures Tuesday so he can win on Saturday. That is perseverance. It is patience with a forward look. One writer wrote, It's not the ability to bear things. It is the ability to turn them to greatness and glory. The thing which amazed the heathen in the centuries of persecution was that martyrs did not die grimly, they died singing with joy. The early Christians marched into the Roman arena singing triumphantly. They faced the wild animals with songs of hope and joy. The Roman Empire did not crumble before the Christian sword. The Roman Empire was conquered by Christian joy. My friends, we will never defeat the secular world through power politics. It'll, it won't happen. We will defeat the world through persevering joy. But James does not stop there. He goes on to say that we are to let perseverance have its perfect work or result in our lives. The expression translated perfect work or perfect result refers to our character. Perseverance is not an end in itself. Our perseverance through trials builds character. The discipline of trials and tribulations is like a spiritual boot camp. God puts pressure on us, not because he is mean, but because that is the way to build character in the Christian life. We grow strong through the struggle. I grew up in the country of Pakistan, where my parents were missionaries. Each year, we took a week of vacation in a beach house on the Indian Ocean. If the timing was right, 
we would go out at night and walk the beach looking for giant sea turtles that would come up out of the ocean and and make their slow way up to the deep sand on the edge of the beach. They would lay their eggs in the sand and return to the ocean. One year, we were there when the baby sea turtles were hatched. They would claw their way up to the surface of the sand and make their way toward the water. They were blind at birth, but instinct drove these tiny turtles to head to the ocean. The problem was that there were many obstacles, many dangers along the way. Scavenging dogs would eat them. Seagulls would swoop down and carry them off. Even large crabs would emerge to grab them. My brother and I thought it would be a great idea to help these tiny turtles get to the water safely. So we each picked one up and carried it to the water. We carefully placed the little turtle in the waves. Guess what happened? It drowned. The baby turtle had not built up the strength to survive in the ocean. The dangerous and hard trip from the nest to the water was necessary to build up the strength of the turtle to live in the ocean. The same principle is true for us, my friends. We grow strong through the struggle. James wrote, And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. The third reason we can face our tests with joy is that our prospect after trial produces maturity. We grow up. James describes the end result of this process in verse 4. The end result of the testing process is maturity. Our prospect after we make it through the trials is perfection, integrity, being fully equipped to live the Christian life. And we will be perfect. The word perfect is a favorite term of James. He uses it five times in these five short chapters. The word refers to the end product of a process, the finish line of the race. In terms of human growth, it means to be full-grown or mature, an adult, not a child. James is not talking about being perfect in the sense of having no mistakes or flaws. He is talking about becoming an adult in the Christian life and having a right relationship with God. If you want to be a grown-up Christian— then you have to count it all joy when you go through the struggles. We will become people of integrity. The word complete means to be whole. It means to be healthy or sound in terms of who we are. That's why I like the word integrity. We hear much about integrity, or really the lack of integrity today. Integrity is a consistent life a whole life, a sound life? Are you a solid, whole person who is consistent in all you do and say? 
Are you a person of integrity? We will be fully equipped to live our lives for Christ. James says that the process of persevering through trials will mean that we are fully equipped for life. We lack nothing. We will not be in need. We will not be left behind in life. We will not have any want spiritually because we will be fully equipped to live the Christian life well. Our prospect after persevering through trials is that we will emerge as mature, whole, sound, and fully equipped Christians. Nothing short of Christian maturity is the goal of God's tests. If you never pass the tests, you will never grow up to be complete Christians. So here is my question, my friends. Can you count it all joy when you face problems, trials, struggles, and temptations in this life? Do you face your circumstances with joy? You say, Dave, that's hard stuff. I know. I'm tested too. The only way to face our present trials with joy is to remember our future joy in Christ. James will say a few verses later in verse 12, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. There's our concept. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, my friends, our future joy changes our present perspective. And Jesus demonstrated this principle for us. Hebrews 12.2 says that, For the joy set before him... He endured the cross. The point is that we should keep our eyes on the joy of our future with him, and that changes our perspective during the tough times on earth. God wins. We win with God. That's our future. I have a pastor friend who has been going through tough times. He has faithfully pastored a church for many years. He's been a good pastor. We had worked together in a workshop. He went home, and shortly after that, his camp on the lake burned to the ground with everything in it. The family had worked hard for many years to rebuild an old cabin, and now it was gone. Then a little later, he found out that the pain he was experiencing was fourth-stage pancreatic cancer. He, He has been going through chemotherapy when just... A few months before, he was vibrant and healthy, or at least he seemed to be. But he is showing us all how to face trials with joy. Of course, he's not happy about these circumstances, but he knows that God is in control, and he can trust God to perfect his faith. He posted on Facebook, This is difficult news to receive but we know that we are in the care of a sovereign and loving God. We already have many friends and family praying for us, and we invite you to join them in bringing us before the Lord our God. Then he posted 
a picture of himself sometime later with his son laughing together in the hospital. And he wrote, God is so good. How many people get to play skip bow and drink ginger ale with their six-year-old son while getting chemotherapy? That, my friends, is facing your trials with joy. He's real. He's authentic. He's joyful in the face of suffering. Tough trials demand a proper perspective. We have to think right about these things. Theologian J.I. Packer wrote a book many years ago entitled Hot Tub Religion. He said that the hot tub is the perfect symbol of American Christianity. The water temperature is always 102 degrees Fahrenheit, never too hot or too cold. We as Christians want a pleasurable Christianity. We want a comfortable faith. So, when we go from the comforts of our hot tub Christianity into the lukewarm water of real life, we fall apart. However, if we were bred on the cold realities of trials and struggles, then the lukewarm problems of real life are bearable. It's all a matter of perspective. It's not that we should rejoice in the tests. It's that we should rejoice in the test results. Cancer, disease, death, losing our job, losing a friend or a loved one. These things are not joyful. But if we can maintain the perspective that God is bringing us to maturity through them, then we can consider it all joy as we face those tests. My friends, Ask God what he wants to produce in you through the trials he is taking you through right now, and then trust him for the results. <laughs> 